Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. For a lot of people, it might be weird at first, mm -hmm. but when they stop attaching their performance, this idea of like performance, yeah, and like, am I good enough? Right. Oh my God, so much more pleasure is available. I hope y'all taking notes, man. This is good, valuable info here. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I put that story up, I've never gotten so many, like, question replies uh -huh. to a story than when I put that on. Where did you put TikTok or Instagram? On Instagram. Oh, right? wow. And uh, we do a weekly Q&A there, actually bi-weekly now, or twice a week now. During it, I met, I've mentioned a few times, mm -hmm. I was like, I, I've got a sex therapist coming on, so if any of y'all are having problems in the bedroom, which I know y'all ladies are, <laughs> hit me in the DMs. I got you, girl. And they're like, finally, we could talk about the pressing concerns. Because this is like, it is a bit of a stigmatized like topic. It should isn't be. It? It, it should I, be. I agree. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, that Gwyneth Paltrow came out with the, uh, the new mm -hmm. Netflix mm -hmm. thing about sex and intimacy? Yeah. What do you know about that? About sex and intimacy or about About what specific? she's doing in particular. You know, I, I haven't seen more than just the trailer, but I imagine it's going to be pretty great. Because, it's really, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she did that whole Goop Lab series and talked about sex uh, a few times mm -hmm. in a few different ways on that. And I think... You know, Gwyneth Paltrow is really, um, she's one of the, the celebrities out there who's using her platform to model strong, um, empowered sexuality and conversations about sex and intimacy. So I love it. In like a very healthy, like normalized way, it yeah. feels like. I've only seen what she's posted on like Instagram. That's how I found out about it. Mm -hmm. I was like... I would have never kind of guessed that she would have been the one that, to like dabble into mm -hmm. that. And, you know, of, out of all people in Hollywood, I feel like she's so perfect for it because she's such a respected, like, you know, yeah. actress. And, you know, I was just like, this is great. At least we're opening up this conversation. Have you actually watched it yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. I'm very intrigued by it. I want to watch it. I'm, I'm curious. Why do you think it is that, like, it's such a stigmatized topic you know well, for something that's like such a human care like we all got here via sex like exactly. what's going on exactly why are we being so shy about this i mean look we we live in a really sex negative world and yeah. it's been that way for a long time and what sex negative means is that there's really uh limited views on what is considered appropriate sex mm -hmm. and like who decides that Mm. Right. If you look at the science, there's a tremendous amount of diversity on what constitutes healthy sexuality. 
Um, but socially, we've like sort of constructed this idea of what is okay based on different cultural and religious ideology, and mm. you know now a lot of political ideology influence this idea of what is considered okay and what isn't. So, yeah. you know, sex is bad, it's dirty, it's wrong, it's taboo. I think that that was designed a long time ago to create safety and, you know, what would be law way mm -hmm. back when to make sure that people were not getting pregnant when they couldn't, you know, support a family and, yeah. you know, lots of other um, social mandates that would play a role in that, but it's sort of gotten out of control. Yeah. And now it's about like shaming people and it's so much of our identities now. Right. You know? Do you think it's gotten better or worse over the last 10, 10 to 15 years? Such a great question. I definitely think both are true. It's gotten better and worse because I'm seeing this very bifurcated, um, so like two-pronged reaction happening in, in the culture. There's a group of folks who are becoming more conscious, more aware, mm -hmm. more empowered, more spiritual, more connected to the world, to each other, to ideas. And then I think there are a lot of people who are really afraid and their reaction to fear is to become more kind of rigid or to go back to what felt safe. Right. Right. And so I think we've got, you know, a faction of people who are like, things are really hard. I'm going to see what else could be. And then things are really hard. Let me go back to what was. What I am comfortable with, yeah. which honestly, I don't see a problem with either. Like whatever makes you happy in my head is like whatever you're comfortable, you're comfortable with, like whatever you deem fit for your life. If you're happy, you're happy. Live your life the way you want to live your life. You right. know, my only thing is like, if you're living your life the way you want to live your life, why are you judging others exactly. <laughs> for living the life, their life the way they want to live their life? That's like my only like confusion. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's what I think it's, is so interesting about what we're seeing about sex and whether or not it's sanctioned or, or how it is sanctioned, because I don't even think it's really about sex anymore. I think it's about identity and it's about tribalism. It's about where do we belong and with whom do we belong? Mm. So people adopt ideologies and mindsets, sometimes because they believe it, but sometimes because they believe in it because that's what the culture of their most important groups believes. Mm. Right? And so right. to question it would be to maybe even jeopardize if they can stay a part of that group, right? So that I think sometimes sense. we kind of get lost. A little social pressure in a, in a way. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you see that a lot with like some of the clients that you work with? Yeah, I mean, I, I see it a lot with clients. I see it with, you know, everybody. That's very interesting. So like the reason I wanted to bring you on, and I'll be honest with you, well, first, I, I, I found you because I was scrolling through my TikTok for you page and one of your videos came up uh -huh. and then I noticed follows you in the bottom left corner right above your username. I was like, oh, who's this? I always get intrigued. And the topic that you were talking about was very interesting to me. So I went to your page. Uh -huh. I saw what you were talking about. I was like, oh, she's a sex therapist. This is intriguing. And honestly, I was like, that made me think. I'm like what is a sex therapist exactly? Mm -hmm. Like, I know it exists, but like, I never like really connected the dots of like right. how and why, yeah. you know? And then I went creeping on your page. Oh, she's, she's, <laughs> she's legit. She's from LA. Like, let me hit her up. <laughs> and that's when I slid in the DMs. I was like, Hey, notice that you follow us. What's going on? You want to do something together? Cause 
my whole goal with this whole thing is like, uh-huh. let's try to impart the audience or the viewers or people with some sort of like yeah. information that's going to help them get through life easier, happier, and also let them know, hey, you're not the only one that's dealing with this. Totally. You know, that's one thing that we see all the time. Yeah. Well, you I'm know. so glad that you did reach out because that's something I'm so passionate about too. Mm-hmm. Is like, how can, how can we get information to people that helps them feel really empowered in their relationships in general, but in their relationships with sex, right? And to talk about sex, because when we normalize talking about it in a way that's not salacious or crude or, you know, with with a goal of being sexual, then we just kind of give ourselves permission to think about our sexuality a little bit differently, which means we can pay attention to our sexual health differently, pay attention to our sexual boundaries differently and advocate for our pleasure differently. Right. Just like get past the stigma and like, let's look at, okay, well, how can we improve our lives, you know, by talking about this? Okay. So I guess I should enter intro the episode at this point. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the stripped down podcast. If you haven't figured out by now, we talking about sex and we have a very well qualified individual here to talk about it with you because God knows I would fuck this shit up if I was on my own. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, finally, somebody I can have this conversation with that could actually give some really, really insightful information. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Dr. Kate Balistrieri. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for doing this first off. Yeah, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't figured out by now, we are going to be talking about sex. And before we started recording this episode, I asked y'all what types of topics and what the, what types of questions that y'all wanted me to ask. And <laughs> girl, ladies, y'all flooded me mm. in the DMs with all kinds of things. So we're going to address a lot of them. But before we get into that, I want to welcome anybody who's new here. Welcome to the podcast, baby. This is where we just keep it real with y'all, help y'all in any way we can, give our perspective, you know, and hopefully give you something to take away from this that you can apply to your life, help you live happier with your partner, whoever you you messing with nowadays, girl. So (laughs) before we get into this, I want y'all to do me a quick favor. Take two seconds of your time. Hit that subscribe button below. Make sure to hit that notification bell so you can get notified anytime that we post these podcasts. Also, feel free to participate in the comment section. Your feedback, your comments, your input, your perspective is very valued to us. We will follow up on any questions that we get in the comment section. So please feel free to participate there. And ladies and gentlemen... We are going to get right into this. <laughs> I'm going to pull out the chicatory glasses. So, Miss Balistrieri, mm-hmm. please elaborate. <laughs> what is a sex therapist? Yeah, well, let me, let me just first say I'm a, I'm a licensed psychologist, right, and a certified mm. sex therapist. And I've got a few other specialties, too, mainly around trauma, sex, and relationships mm. and mental health, right? Interesting. So a sex therapist is somebody who helps people understand their relationship with sex, especially, you know, in terms of how it might influence their mental health or their well-being in life. So we will help people across tons of different topics, right, mm-hmm. around trauma related to sexuality or non-sexual trauma that might be influencing somebody's sex life. Um, we'll talk to them about their pleasure goals, helping them, you know, have better sex with their partner or on their own. Mm -hmm. We'll address things like shame and fears, 
kinks, fantasies, oh, shit. all the fun stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, we help people create an expansive and self-defined definition of what is healthy sex for them and then help them move from pain points to pleasure points. Ooh. And maybe pain if pain is their pleasure. <laughs> hey, I was going I was about to say that like literally just as that came out of your <laughs> mouth that that popped out into my head because I literally got a comment today that was on a video. Uh-huh where i was talking about that okay the girl i was seeing at the time she said something to me along the lines of like sometimes yeah there's a little pain but i don't say anything because it turns me on i'm like really that intrigued me so much mm-hmm. you know okay so we could shit this this conversation could go into a million directions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay well let's start with the basics okay okay so what are what are some of the most common things that people come to you to help them with? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of the things that I just mentioned, healing from trauma, uh, really sort of understanding sexual blocks that they're mm. having, um, pain during sex that they don't want, <laughs> mm. um, or how to make space for pain and sex that they do want, or mm. other fantasies. They want to understand a fetish that they have, or they want to... Um, figure out a way to make sense of differences in desire with their partner, right? Whether it's frequency or the kind of sex that they want. Um, If their partner wants something different, we try to find a way to create some agreements there. Um, Sometimes people come to me because they're struggling with compulsivity around sex and... Like sex addiction, you mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a term that's pretty polarizing in the community. Okay, because that was one of the terms or phrases that kind of got brought up a lot yeah yeah okay so from a clinical perspective there's no diagnosis for sex addiction or porn addiction but compulsivity is the language that we use clinically to address that okay hey listen i'll I'll be honest ladies and gentlemen (laughs) forgive me because i am very like (laughs) i'm very naive to a lot of this stuff especially for the so many people (laughs) acceptable terms and you know so feel free to correct me anytime i slip up it's okay that's why we're doing this right perfect education yes there we go hey listen i'm in the same boat as y'all right now i'm learning i'm i need to i'm taking a lot of mental notes i got my notepad open i'm taking all kinds of notes ladies and gentlemen yeah so we we can talk about like sex and porn addiction or compulsive um, Mm -hmm. sexual behavior um sometimes other problematic sexual behavior people will come and talk to me about or if they're concerned about you know how to make sense of their sexual orientation or they are questioning their sexual orientation or they've got questions about gender Um, you know, really kind of anything, anything around sex. Because even if we're asexual or have no sex at all in our lives Mm -hmm. or abstinent for whatever reason, everybody has a relationship with sex. Right. Even if that's like through self-pleasure? Totally. Yeah. What is like the most common question that you get from people? I'm sure you probably get a ton of DMs too. So many. (laughs) The look on your face is (laughs) So many. And, and it's you great. Go. You know, I welcome and I can't get to all of them. Right. But I'm at the same point now as well. That's why we do these podcasts. We take all the questions. Okay. Yeah. Y'all all have a common issue. We're going to address this in the podcast. Totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, what do you I would see say, the most? It, well, it, it depends on who's doing the asking. But if I kind of condense everybody, uh, probably the, the biggest theme is, am I normal or am I broken or is something mm. wrong with me? Right. Because Mm -hmm. we do have so much shame around sex. And when we don't talk about it, people get lost in a lot of fear around, am I okay in what I like or what I'm experiencing? 
Second to that, it's usually things like, I can't have an orgasm, or how much masturbation is too much, or... Um, Does size matter? That's, yep, that's a big one <laughs> from people with I got that. I got that DM too. Ask her if size matters, bro. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell her who this is from. <laughs> Keep this anonymous. <laughs> I'll be like, don't, no worries, my man. Yeah. So, okay, those make sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, why can't I orgasm with my partner, but I can when I'm by myself? By myself. Yeah. You know, or I get a lot of questions like, Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Like, my partner has lost interest in sex. What do I do? Mm. So things like that. We touched on a little bit of this in a previous episode. Have you read um, Robert Greene's book about the art of quote-unquote seduction? And do you are you aware of... Uh, Shan Bodie, is it Bodie? Bodie? She's a Shan Booty. Booty, yeah. yeah. Shan Booty. She, mm -hmm. She's great. I love her. She I, I was uh, checking out a couple of her videos in combination with uh, like the Art of Seduction by Robert Greene, mm -hmm. and we did an episode um, earlier this year about sexual triggers mm -hmm. and you know what type of uh, quote unquote seducer you are, mm -hmm. and you know basically helping you understand your partner and what kind of gets them in the mood, you know, it's because what we all have to understand, although like men and women are a little bit different, especially like younger men compared to older men. It's like, we all have sexual triggers. Younger men, it's like, doesn't take much, you know, just show up <laughs> and Hey, he, he's triggered. <laughs> but, but, you know, as you mature, yeah. it's like some of the triggers start to come into play. Do you work with, uh, you know, some of your clients, patients, in like areas like that as well, help them understand. Yeah, for sure. So, so maybe kind of like helpful to think about where does arousal come from, mm -hmm. right? And maybe that's what is being talked about when you're saying sexual triggers. Mm -hmm. um, but our arousal comes from you know, a lot of different factors in our lives, like ideas that we have, relationships in the past, sensory data, mm. uh, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about the world, things that we see around us, different imagery and, and whatnot, and like biological senses, so our sensations. So when we think about like all the things that allow us to say yes to sex, think about it like that's a gas pedal for arousal. Mm. And then anything that might shut us down, right, feels uncomfortable or gross or like it doesn't align with who we are, that might, you might consider that a break. This is right. called the dual control model, right? And everybody has these yeses and nos right. for what turns them on. And like what you're saying when you're younger, sometimes we're sort of more open because we don't know yet. And we're yeah, it's just one it giant button. Anywhere you press, you press the, on the gas. <laughs> it's just one giant gas pedal. It can be. <laughs> the, the break is like it when we're younger. Yeah. For men, I, I, is that true for women as well? So there's some so like complicated answers to that. Uh, Biologically, I think, yeah, it is more true for women when they're younger that they're more open. Mm -hmm. But when we layer on all of the double standards mm. that women face during judgment. sex, yeah, judgment yes. is usually a break for women. For sure. So it's hard to know exactly what, what apples and apples comparison we can make for people of different genders because of all of that constructed ideas about right. sex related to different genders. Yeah, that's like a... 
crucial factor in creating that that environment that is uh, conducive for pleasure right. is creating comfort, mm-hmm. which is, you know, all the yeses mm-hmm. lining up mm-hmm. and a non-judgment-free environment as well. Totally. And I feel like that isn't uh, stressed enough to us, like as we're learning about sex and figuring mm-hmm. this all out mm-hmm. as we go through life, because honestly, like nobody gives us a playbook on this, sh- no. <laughs> you know, fucking high school sex ed, fucking... Y'all got to rethink this shit because y- y'all got us out here struggling. We playing fucking trial and error. Like, what's, well, I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? And we got to just figure it out on our own. And like, none of this, this is all like foreign. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening. So, you know, it's like, why didn't they teach us this in school? You know, which is another conversation. That's but It's another conversation for sure. <laughs> but I mean, if we could simplify it for everybody, it's just like creating an environment as comfortable as possible, non-judgmental as possible, being open mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, the communication of what is yeah. truly the desire of your partner uh, without implying any sort of judgment, I feel like helps totally. get your partner to that place of potential pleasure yeah, well, you agree? yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, for somebody who's poo-pooing his sex education in high school, you've, you've got it. You have a good grasp <laughs> Took a lot of, of research, <laughs> a lot of trial and error. <laughs> right? No, but I think you're so That's not terrible, by the way. I'm sorry. Hey, y'all know this about me. Don't be, don't be looking at me like that. Come on. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's okay. It's okay to be a sexual being. See, it's okay, y'all. It's okay talking about. <laughs> but yeah, so non-judgment, open-mindedness. And there's a really brilliant author named um, Emily Nagowski. She wrote a book called Come As You Are. So anyone Ooh. watching, please go check that book out. It's amazing. And in her book, one of my favorite quotes is, don't yuck someone else's yum. Mm. Right? And this is so, so, so important because, like again, that. we attach so much meaning and judgment and shame to different things just because we don't know enough about it to understand how somebody's arousal might have, you know, gotten created in this direction, whereas somebody else's arousal may have been generated and it takes this form. So I think when we can just kind of be a bit more expansive, a bit more open-minded and recognize that there are lots and lots of ways to have healthy sex. Mm -hmm. And even though you're not familiar with something or doing it, yeah. doesn't mean it's bad or wrong or shameful. Right. I feel like the the best type of, like, you know, response to somebody who's kind of bringing up something that you're kind of, like, wide-eyed about would be just, like, almost a sense of curiosity. Totally. Like, that's intriguing to me. Like, I, I kind of want to know yeah. how and why you feel that way. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, interesting, one. Mm-hmm. And then also, if this person is my partner... Like, that's going to help me mm-hmm. get you there by me understanding. For, and for us guys, like, that's an ego boost. If we can help you, it's like, okay, I figured it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, for us guys, I know this is very immature way of thinking, but <laughs> we, we have our egos attached to sex. And, you know, I think everybody does to some degree. I would invite everybody to detach. Yes. From sex, right? Because when we go into it with that sort of performance, like I've got to hit the prize, I've got to ring the bell or do the thing or whatever, we're not really present with pleasure. Right. And you're judging yourself. You're judging yourself. And you're also kind of participating in a charade because Mm. as much as it is 
helpful that your partner knows what you like and helps you, you know, hit all the right bells and, and all the right whistles. Yeah. Ultimately, we are responsible for our own orgasm, right? So that means that we have to communicate with our partner if something's not feeling right or if they're not in the right spot, for example, mm-hmm. or not hitting the right bell or, or whatever language you want to use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's so important, I think, to kind of maybe like take a step out of that responsibility, right. you know, and, and see what it's like to be sexual without doing that. And for a lot of people, it might be weird at first, mm-hmm. but when they stop attaching their performance, this idea of like performance yeah, and like, am I good enough? Right. Sex is even more amazing. Right. I and promise. just letting it flow. Yeah. Not judging yourself, not judging them. Almost like I kind of relate this to like being on stage, even though that is like a, a performing. <laughs> that is a performance. <laughs> but when I do, when we do like step on stage because we toured for years, like there's a certain like you turn your brain off. Mm-hmm. You completely like turn your brain off and like you just let it flow. I yeah. MC the show, I host the show. I don't think about what I'm gonna say. I just go out mm-hmm. and I just let it flow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I'm in that mode, I. I get the best reactions from the audience. Totally. I connect with the audience the best. Mm-hmm. I get the most like laughs and whatnot. Cause it's just, and I'm not stressed about it at all. So I feel like it's almost similar to that in a way. It's like, stop judging yourself. Who cares? Yeah. You know, we're going to figure this out, <laughs> whatever. If it's not perfect, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? And we're going to continue to get closer and closer. And then also that allows you to be more receptive mm-hmm. to what is actually going on. You know what I mean? So you could like start to read the body language and you could start to like listen in on like audio cues and start to navigate a little bit more, you know, naturally and accurately. Totally. When you're not thinking about, okay, what am I doing? What should I be doing? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. When, When you're more, I absolutely agree. When you're more present with your partner, you can be more tuned to the feedback that they're actually giving you. Right. And, and when you're not performing, you're giving real feedback. Yeah. With, this, with the way that you moan, the way that you move, the way that you arch your back or, you know, touch your partner, all the things. And that being present with each other in that way allows you to create a lot more heat, a lot more depth, a lot more movement, a lot more passion, yeah. whether it's a casual or a committed context. Right. Yeah. So presence is a gift Yeah. when you're being sexual. Performance takes you out of that. And right. it essentially means that you're masturbating with another person's body right and is that now that you bring that up is that something that gets brought up in conversation oh, with totally. all the time that's like a, an issue yeah. i can imagine it can can be like yeah. especially with the amount of like self-judgment and whatnot we all experience during sex yeah. so what effect does that have on a person which part when they feel like they're being used Basically, uh, uh, for the other person to quote unquote masturbate. So it it depends, right? Because there are, when it's explicit and it's consensual, it can be a huge turn on for some people. Not for everyone, but a lot of people get really turned on by being used or degraded or they have that kink and there's nothing wrong with that. It's very healthy and fun to play that out as long as it's conscious and consensual. Right. Right. But what I'm talking about is unconscious not consented to, not explicit or more implicit, um, ways of not being present. And so therefore kind of using each other. I just want to make that really clear because mm-hmm. I don't want to yuck someone's yuck. Right, right. Um, but, uh, that's, a, that's really great that you brought that up. Cause I understand what you're saying when you say that. Yeah. I mean, I th- and I think when somebody is kind of not present and they are 
just sort of using another person's body to get themselves off, either in their mind or in, uh, sexually, um, it, they feel it. The other person feels it. And if mm. they didn't sign up for that, it can feel really shameful. It can feel awful, dehumanizing. What should somebody in that position do to, to communicate to their partner, hey, this ain't working for me, bro. You know what I mean? I mean, saying that would help. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Hey, bro. This ain't working for me. That's what you gotta do. Just like, hey. Yeah, you can do it a lot of different ways. You can you can verbalize it and say something like that. You can make eye contact or use your body language to bring them back into an experience of being present. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage you not to shame your partner while you're having sex. Yeah, or that's ever. what I was gonna say because like these types of conversations are tough. Like especially yeah. like in the midst of the the moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, how do you say it without saying it, right? It's just like, I'm trying to think like from just experiences that I've had, it's always been like, you know, I actually love it like when you do this, like can you, you know, go a little slower or whatever. And it doesn't take you out of the mode at all. Like, but I feel like it's on us to take that feedback and apply it, Mm -hmm. right? Don't ignore it. I think that's the most important thing. It's like, Allow them to communicate, make them feel comfortable in communicating, yeah. Yeah. and then apply it. Totally. So that way, you know, we're all enjoying this experience together. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. The other thing that can be really helpful is normalizing what's called aftercare. So like a period of debriefing after you have sex where you maybe spend some time talking about what did you like? What didn't you like? What did it feel like when I did X, Y, Z? Um, Mm. Oh, I really liked that. Or, you know, actually that didn't hit the spot today, but usually I do like it. Mm -hmm. Right. And giving each other constructive feedback and debriefing what you just did and then taking some time to take care of each other so you can transition from whatever sexual experience you just had back into your your non-sexual lives. Right. It can be really helpful. So that's like cuddling and, you know. Yeah, cuddling. Hey, fellas. A warm towel. Drink a water. <laughs> I was going to bring up the towel. <laughs> hey, fellas, don't be throwing no towels at your girl, too. Take take care of your girl, man. That's right. You know, rude, bro. She caterers. I know there's somebody listening to that's like, amen, right now, right, <laughs> ladies? So, okay, so aftercare is very important. Yes. Having that conversation yes. is very important. I feel like that conversation becomes much easier and, like, much more comfortable and not as awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, once you've, like, honestly, just talk about it. Just bring it up. It doesn't yeah. have to. You don't. It doesn't have to be an awkward conversation. Like, no. you could bring it up. Like, start it off by, like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, when you did this, that was amazing. Exactly. You know, like, what next time, like, would you be down to try this, that, or the other thing? Right. Or, like, I think that this would be like really fun to, to try. What do you mm-hmm. think? Like it could be like that type of conversation. It doesn't have to be like, okay, let's uh, break out the notepad and tell. Right. I wouldn't get out your red. Pen Here's a survey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think that is a thing that we all think about after the fact yeah. is like, how do we do? Like, what's What, what could I have done better? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we almost don't want to ask because we're afraid <laughs> of the negative feedback. Yeah. But honestly, like you should almost anticipate that, hey, you're not going to it's not going to be a perfectly orchestrated, no. you know, it's symphony a, the first time. Anytime. Right? anytime. It's not going to be perfect anytime because Bec- we're dynamic creatures, mm. right? Like your mood changes. Yep. And so your-, your appetite, what you're in the mood for at that changes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You might love when your partner nibbles here or does this there most of the time. And then one day you're hangry Mm. and you stop to have sex first. 
mm-hmm. right? And it just doesn't hit you the right way. So, I mean... Write that down, fellas. Feet are first. <laughs> no, we're dynamic, right? We can't expect that everything is going to be exactly the same each time we have sex. Right. As long as you communicate, hey, you down? What, what you in the mood for? Right. I, is it like... Um, okay, so I've kind of gotten to a place in my kind of, what would you call it, sexual journey or life or whatever, where I like take pleasure in giving pleasure. Mm -hmm. And when I sense that the other person is enjoying, it became less about me and more about them. Mm -hmm. Right. And is that bad? Is that a bad thing? Let's start there. Why would it be a bad thing? Because then wouldn't that lean on like performative or well if you're doing it to be performative if you're doing it for ego right right i'm not going to say it's a bad thing but i might i might invite you to think about what's your goal and is it a mutual goal Mm. right there's nothing wrong with trying to give your partner pleasure and really you know being attuned to whether or not they're into it if it's something that you know, again, you're, you're doing and it's taking you out of the moment, mm. then, then again, like only you can decide, is it right. good or bad? And, and if your partner's like, Hey, I love when you do that. That's amazing. Cool. Uh-huh. If it works for you guys, that's great. Right. I think there is part ego in it now that you bring that up, uh-huh. but then there's also like a genuine, like satisfaction that comes from it as well. Totally, you yeah. know what I mean? Like a genuine, like arousal, like, like this is what's getting me going right now. Like if I, get you going it's going to get me going let's start there and then we could get into everything else you know so like i found myself at that place and i'm kind of like wondering how how did i get here Mm -hmm. right and i'm sure this would take an entire therapy session to (laughs) to figure out but (laughs) but for the most part it's been nothing but positive positive feedback so I'm i'm not complaining about it but i'm just kind of curious like how can somebody else maybe get there because so for, like it's worked for me in, in other words it's like okay so how can somebody else who maybe is listening who's like still trying to figure this whole thing out you know get to a place where they're thinking less about themselves and more about their partner being open and non-judgmental of themselves mm-hmm. like how do they get there that's a great question i think it's a process right and mm-hmm. and i would encourage anyone listening for that to that question and for that answer to remember that we're not like light switches, right? We don't just like, okay, I'm going to do this now. And then we go on that path. When we're talking about sex, it's, it's nuanced and it's dimensional. And it's, if we're lucky, a constant state of learning and exploration. So every experience that you have to be sexual with yourself or with someone else gives you a chance to learn more about what you like and what your partner likes. Mm. And so, again, we're not static creatures. Like, your partner might love something this way today and tomorrow be like, "Mm, not so much. So Mm. that's why I think if you approach sex as if it's like a a solo or a co-created adventure, Mm. right, then each experience gets to be its own and you get to have fun unwrapping it together and really sort of, living it each day. Right. And so I think taking yourself out of like a script of this is how I should show up mm-hmm. is the best way to start challenging what can be because right. you get to build it as you're there and build it with the with the ingredients that are present, right? right. Which is really exciting. And the experience like and what you guys have both learned about yourselves. Yeah. You're bringing that into it. So would you say, does that lean on the idea of like, forgive my terminology here, self-pleasure for the, pur- pur- the purpose of self-discovery? Sure. Like meaning like, uh, cause I had a guest, 
on he goes by Lawrence the energy master okay. and he his whole thing is like he he's a tantra mas- oh, master cool. and we were kind of touching on the topic of sex and he was advocating highly for uh, self pleasure learning yourself yeah. like learning yourself so that way you know kind of like what's working for you what you like what you don't like and Absolutely. you're bringing that into the equation would you say that that at least for most people is a great starting point? Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Solo sex is a great way to figure out the ins and outs of your own body and to learn about how your body responds to lots of different kinds of stimuli. Mm-hmm. Right. So for some people, you know, they've decided that solo sex is not part of what they want their life to include mm-hmm. because it has maybe caused problems in their life or other or maybe they've struggled with compulsivity or something but Mm -hmm. otherwise i I would say it's a really really important part of sex even if you have a partner Mm. to know what you like yeah so that kind of like segues into a common question that was brought up okay which was bringing self-pleasure into the bedroom area with a partner oh yeah So that is something that a lot of people are having a hard time kind of presenting to their partner or getting their partner to accept, Mm -hmm. meaning like bringing toys in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like bringing toys into the bedroom, bringing some of your self-pleasure practices into sex life with your partner. Yeah, so partnered sex. Partnered sex. (laughs) There you go. So I told y'all I was ignorant (laughs) to this stuff, man. I'm struggling. Bear with me, (laughs) y'all. Totally okay. So, Like, can we just pause for a second and think about like, this is how messed up a sex negative culture makes us, right? Exactly. Like See, we don't even, even know what to say lost. or how to describe it. Right. And you're so not alone in that. Right. And it's okay to just find words that work. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how, how do we get these, these Franks out there to accept the toys in the bedroom? You know what I mean? Not be, not have their ego wrapped up in it. I, I don't know what the deal, like what the big deal is personally. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's like, cool. I got a little wingman with me, like to tag team. <laughs> Great. Perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I, when I do my best to step into what it might feel like to be really concerned about whether or not you're bringing your partner pleasure, I can understand why people have some fear around bringing a toy into the bedroom. Mm. But I really think that if we start to uncouple our identity with the experience of sexual pleasure it becomes a lot easier to make space for the things that actually help pleasure become more possible. Mm. And solo sex with a sex toy is a very different experience than partnered sex with a sex toy. So even if, you know, somebody's like, oh, a toy, I don't know, is it going to change our dynamic? It might, but it's definitely going to be a different experience than the experience your partner has on their own with that toy because you cannot replace the human connection. Right. Right. And you're going to move that toy in a way that your partner won't. Right. And there's something really beautiful about surrendering to a partner and letting them play with you. Right. Right. And, and that's regardless of gender. But I think, you know, when we look at it as an augment and as a way to enhance what we already bring to the table, it can feel more accessible. Think of it as a weapon upgrade, bro. <laughs> you know, you just upgraded. Yeah. You know, you just got to upgrade. You know what I mean? Well, it's kind of like, like <laughs> think about like, I love how a, a lot of people like will get a, co- a cool car and then they add all these really interesting accessories to it. 
right? Like you add the, the sound system, you add the spoiler thing on the back, right. or like you tint the windows, you get like all the cool things. You right. add the You're still driving the car, bro. You're driving the car. Yeah. And the car's a badass car, right? Yep. And, so and she's still like looking at you like you're a badass driver. <laughs> See? <laughs> that's a really great way to put it. I always try to look for analogies. I love that you brought that up. That was great. So yeah, I think what you said earlier is like separating yourself from the, um, I, I can't remember exactly how you put it, but it's, I interpreted that as like taking your ego out of it. Totally. Yeah. Separating our worth from our pleasure. Right. Right. I think that's so what it important. is, is like when somebody does, our partner brings in a sex toy, it almost implies it's like, okay, is what I'm bringing to the table not good enough? Is that not enough? Yeah. Right. And that's a painful yeah. place to live. Right. Right. But when we decouple worth with pleasure, mm. oh my God, so much more pleasure is available. I hope y'all taking notes, man. This is valuable info here. <laughs> so I got a ton more questions like that, but I do want to touch on a couple of questions that I I was really curious about. Mm-hmm. One was like, what made you want to get into this field, and how long have you been doing it now? I've been in the field of psychology for about sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into this work. Um, psychology is a second career for me, and when I got into it. I really thought that I was going to kind of blend together this career and my love of true crime. Mm. So I was going to be um, a criminal profiler and do all this expert witness testimony. And I did all of that. I used to work in prisons, multiple prisons. For a long time, I worked with um, convicted sex offenders and did evaluations and treatment and court testimony around that kind of um, work. And then I, you know, I've done lots of other forensic evaluations. And eventually, you know, I just really started getting more curious about what the role of sex actually plays in people's lives. Because a lot of the people that I've been working with, sex was a pain point or a PowerPoint. Mm. And so it, you know, it, I was just curious about all of the other ways that people related to sex mm-hmm. and their mental health and Eventually, I went into private practice and started working more with compulsive sexual behavior and then became even more expansive in my understanding of sexuality and mental health and relationships and became a certified sex therapist. Shit. And here we are. That's badass, girl. First off, <laughs> kudos to all that. That's impressive. Like that. I, I didn't know that backstory that oh, was no? great you were a badass like little forensic detective so I'm, sh- I'm just like imagining just a badass depiction of you i was just like damn okay shit and then i noticed also you started a website that educates people on this modern intimacy yeah so that's my group practice and okay yeah, and that's our website so we all of the clinicians who work with me blog and we write about lots of different topics yeah i was peeping it a little bit <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to like peep too much because i wanted to keep the curiosity like i wanted mm. to get it from you mm-hmm. you know so but i saw a few thumbnails and a few titles that I think y'all would be interested in. So go check that out if you get the chance. Modernintimacy.com. Yeah, Is that, that correct, right? Yeah, that's right. So that, that's kind of how you got here, mm-hmm. right? So one other thing that I definitely want to touch on, because I feel like this would be really, really helpful information. You mentioned that you used to work with sex offenders, mm-hmm. people who were in prison, who have committed these terrible things. Yep. So here's one thing that I feel like would be helpful for a lot of the women that are listening is like, are there any things that people that you, any patterns that 
can be recognized for people to kind of like spot as they're out dating Mm -hmm. and creating relationships and how to spot a predator yes yes yeah yeah absolutely i can talk about that a little bit but one thing i just wanted to add to what you said is it's not just women who are victimized Mm -hmm. right people of all genders are victimized and sought out by predators typically adult cisgender men are victimized more physically and women more sexually and the trans community and non-binary community also experience a tremendous amount of sexual violence and physical violence Mm. um but in terms of children you know there are many children of all genders who are victimized so i just want to highlight that because i think sometimes we have an idea that it's only women who get abused and that's i'm I'm really happy that you actually pointed it out because yeah that for whatever that's like the first thing that i default to and i shouldn't right so so many people do yeah yeah so so i wanted to highlight that so that any people who are not another reason is because i know my audience is 95 percent women (laughs) (laughs) so don't come for me too much (laughs) okay so like what are some like things yeah, so how to spot a predator, yes. right? There's a couple of different kinds of grooming strategies that predators use. And to groom someone is to get them ready to be violated. Mm. And usually in a way that makes them think that it's okay. Mm. So it's very insidious, right? As opposed to an aggressive, spontaneous assault um, where somebody's not, they don't know you very well. They're not trying to get to know you. So grooming is like, I'm going to, I'm going to include myself in your life. I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to make it easier for me to get access to you in a way that I want to suit my needs. So the first grooming strategy is what's called an enmeshment strategy. And this is where somebody kind of like buddies up to you. There's a lot of pseudo intimacy, a lot of intensity, love bombing. They make it so that you feel like you're one right? Really fast in a way that is not demonstrative of healthy, sustainable intimacy. Um, So this might look like buying you gifts that are kind of disproportionate or out of context. It might look like declaring love or bombing you with all kinds of flattery and ingratiating comments, making themselves useful to you. Um, In a very short period of time. Very short period of time. Yeah. Not to be confused with like being a genuinely good person who's like, Hey, do you need help with that? Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. free on Saturday. I can help with that. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's different than, um, saying hello at the bar. Hey, can I, I want to invite you to a yacht party and I want to spoil you and this, that, and the other thing. Like, (laughs) I mean, that could be fun, but it could be grooming. We don't know. So it's kind of, So, what would be the differentiating? Like, well, you want to come on my yacht this weekend? I'm having a party. Mm-hmm. could just be a nice invitation where no predatory behavior is intended. But there could also be a lot of predatory behavior intended if someone's like, come on my yacht, come on my yacht again, come on my yacht again. And then next time they might ask you to do a favor on the yacht. So grooming is about like, let me try to get away with something. So let me push a boundary and see what I can do. So they might say, come on my yacht and don't worry, we won't be sexual. But then they imply you with alcohol or other substances and start getting you more loosened up. And, you know, it could look like, I know we said we weren't going to be sexual, but come on, we've got such a good bond. We have such a good connection. That's an enmeshment grooming strategy, right? We are special. We are unique. We've got something. This is really dynamic. It's, it's, 
implied and forced intimacy and connection. Mm. How does it differentiate from like general flirting and like getting to know somebody? Yeah, great question. So consent is always the imperative piece here, right? right? And if somebody is manipulating you, they're not giving you all the information you need to make an informed decision mm. about what's going on. They're so not they, being upfront with their intentions, their true intentions. Totally. Yeah. Right. They're being duplicitous. It's different than like somebody's flirting, but you're like, eh, I'm not feeling that today. And they're right. like, cool. And they respect a boundary. What's a counter, uh, kind of measure you could kind of, cause the one thing that I'm like, as you're saying that mm-hmm. is like, okay, if somebody invites you like to all these things and whatnot, like one way of like, feeling out the situation. You cool if I bring a friend? You cool if I bring my yeah. guy friend? You cool if... Because if, if his intentions are pure, he should have no problem with that. Well, look, or that person should have no problem with that, right? People can invite people out on dates and, and like invite them with the hope of being sexual, but grooming somebody is different. It's usually a long game strategy. Mm. Um, like, I want to have something from you, but I want you to kind of give it to me without me asking Mm. is what grooming really is about. It's getting you ready to do something that I know you don't want to do. So it's insidious, right? It's very different than consenting adults saying, Hey, we're going to get together and flirt and have fun. And if something happens, it happens. Right. Okay. But grooming is more like, Hmm, this person's told me they don't want to have sex for a long time, but I really want to have sex with them. That's kind of all I want. So I'm going to just play along with this charade and I'm going to push some boundaries and I'm going to see what I can get away with. There's a subtle pull. Exactly. It's a subtle pull. It might look like you saying, I'm not, I want to take things slow. And they say, cool. But then they sit down right next to you and put their hand on your leg. And if you are okay with that, they might see what else they can get away with, Mm. right? Maybe they move their hand and then they start kissing you. And if you say, okay, that's enough. Well, then they might kiss you a little bit more and see if they can get away with it. So it's about kind of creating an illusion of closeness and intimacy to keep pushing your boundaries. And that's the thing to really notice. I think in a tell is like, how strictly do they respect your boundaries? Yes. You should only have to say no or intimate no once. Right. That's it. And if they persist beyond that, (laughs) hit that Uber app. (laughs) We out. Like we talk about this all the time Mm -hmm. is like, Pay attention to how somebody respects your boundaries, because if they have a genuine respect for you Mm -hmm. and a genuine interest in you as a person Mm -hmm. beyond what you have between your legs, they are going to respect the boundaries. I can't stress this enough, you know, and and, and be firm with the boundaries. Okay, so that that kind of brings up another topic is like, how can somebody enforce their boundaries, you know, without putting themselves in a, a place of like danger, compromise, or discomfort? I wish I could answer that question, but you can't because if somebody wants to violate your boundaries, they're going to try to violate your boundaries, right? And and to say that women or anybody could prevent it puts onus on them and is, you know, kind of uh, a victim blaming or victim um, loading kind of statement. So what is important to remember is that if what you are responsible for is trying to create safety for yourself Mm -hmm. in the best way that you know how, Mm -hmm. right? So if you don't know people and you want to get to know them, you get to decide what that means to you. Mm -hmm. You get to decide that you want to take your time. If you're feeling like, I don't know if I can trust these people or this person, 
you know, maybe slow it down yeah. and look for things that give you indicators of reliability, trustworthiness, respect for your boundaries or not. But even if you decide you want to go on that yacht, no one has the right to do anything to you that you haven't consented to. So it's not your fault or responsibility if they do. Gotcha. That's a really valuable point that you make there. I'm thinking like just, okay, we're in a situation where, okay, this guy has done a great job of like leading a girl into believing that, hey, you can trust me. Mm. We're good. I could, the reason I bring this up is because some, a video popped up on my uh, feed that where there was a young lady that described a situation like this mm -hmm. where everything was going great he said all the right things mm -hmm. they end up at his place and she explicitly said hey i don't she ha had some hesitation mm -hmm. and voiced that to him and he said he reassured her hey no it's don't worry about mm -hmm. it nothing's gonna happen or whatever and then exactly what you described mm -hmm. the touching and then trying to cross the boundary it's like what tools can we give people that do end up in those situations? Yeah. So, so strategies again, to use, like with I mean? somebody that you don't know or somebody that you're getting to know, it's probably a good idea to have um, an exit strategy mm. for any situation that you're going to put yourself in. Like if you're going to go to their house for the first time, maybe you know if you really are questioning whether or not you can trust them to respect your boundaries, might be a good idea to, to find that out beforehand. Yeah, exactly. Find it out beforehand. Slow it down a little bit before you put yourself in a space where something could happen. Again, I don't want to put onus on somebody who is victimized right. because totally. we should be able to trust people's right. words and their intentions. But right. sometimes, you know, we can't. But, you know, create a safety plan. Let it be known that somebody knows where you are right now. Right. And even create some bookends. So, talk to your friends and say, Hey, I'm going to this place. Um, I'm going to be there for about three hours and then I'll text you when I leave. Um, mm -hmm. or I'm going to stay there overnight, but we're not going to have sex. You know, if you get a text from me, something's funny, you know, call me back and, you know, do all the things to kind of, and, and let the person know, like, my friends know I'm here or yeah. I told my friends we weren't having sex tonight and, and like make it really clear. Yeah. Be explicitly clear about your expectations, your boundaries. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And mm -hmm. honestly, for anybody who's listening, who's like experiencing somebody who's a little reluctant to trust you and you are a good guy, let's say, let's mm -hmm. say you are a good guy and you have genuine, you shouldn't take that the wrong way yeah. at all. You know That's what I mean? So I, you know, that. you should and to understand where she's coming from, understand like this, these things happen. It's like, she has every right to not trust to mm -hmm. begin with. And Hey, that's cool. If you, you know, your job to begin with is to earn that trust. You know what I mean? And that should be, that is a process for any human being, especially if you yeah. could put yourself in their shoes for a second, like you could clearly understand, you know, doesn't take much to really yeah. understand where, where this person's coming from. And it results in a much better relationship for both parties. You know totally, what I mean? Totally, totally. So, I mean, you want another fun analogy? Yes, please. <laughs> I love analogies. I try to incorporate them as often as possible. So let's imagine that you have this car, right? Same car from before. You put a lot of money into it, a lot of time into it. You love this car. It's amazing. And then somebody says, can I drive that car? And you're like, do you have a license? And they're like, yes. Mm -hmm. And you're like, have you ever been in a car accident? And they're like, no. 
And then you're like, okay, cool. But do you have insurance? And they're like, of course. And then you're like, okay, just around the block though, just around the block. And they take your car and they drive to Riverside and back, mm. right? Or they take your car to Arizona. And when it comes back, there's dents in it. There's like animal stuff because they've hit something. Like there's just, it's, it's a mess, right? Your car is destroyed. And you didn't consent to that. The next time someone asks to borrow your car, you're going to be a little bit more gun shy. Right. And you'll probably ask a lot of the same questions. And you're just going to have to trust that the answers are what they are. And that that person's not going to smash your car too. Right. But let's say they do. Right. And then the next time somebody asks to drive your car after you've gotten it all fixed up and repaired, like trust takes time to build when you've been hurt. And, and you could see easily see how that person will never want to trust somebody with their car again. Totally. You see? So it's just like if you're the person that wants to quote unquote borrow the car. It's like, understand, hey, this person has dealt with a lot of bullshit, a lot of bullshitters. You know what I mean? So it's just like we have to provide further proof of insurance. Here's my car facts. Here's uh, all. It's like, cool, whatever. I got it on deck. My history is clean. I have no problem (laughs) providing all this information because I know I'm a man of my word or whatever. And I got it all right here. I understand where you're coming from. That shit looks beat up. So here. Um, let me put your mind at right. ease. Right. Is that a good way to kind of like... Great way to approach it. Yes. <laughs> Carry your Carfax in your pocket. You got to, man. <laughs> Keep that Carfax on, on deck and understand, hey, if they're asking for the Carfax, don't take that personal. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they have, maybe it wasn't even their car that got smashed. Maybe it was the friend's car. Yeah. And they heard about it and it happened to them. And now they don't want yeah. to like go through the same thing they went through yeah. right so you can understand where the reluctance is coming from yeah. you know and what people i feel like a lot of people don't fail to realize is how common it actually is yes right yes car crashes and sexual assault right <laughs> <laughs> i was talking about yeah so but like can you actually provide any sort of like just soft data just to yeah. give a general sense yeah absolutely of- so um depending on the research that you look at it's anywhere between one and three or one and uh four women have been uh have experienced some sort of sexual abuse or assault before the age of 18 and one in about five or six men um and then for people who identify as trans and non-binary those numbers are even higher something like I think the last statistic I read was something around 60% of them have experienced some kind of sexual harassment um, or violence, uh, you know, at some point in their lives through college. Yeah. So I would assume that these are, you, you work with a lot of people who have, like, these are, this is a, something that gets brought up, like something that people Mm -hmm. struggle with. What is your advice to, to, people who actually got a DM about this of like, I have been through sexual trauma mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to, um, interact with the new partner. And how do I, is there an appropriate time to bring that up? How soon should I bring it up? What, how, how do I navigate this? What's That's your such a great question? Yeah. And it's, it's really personal, right? I can't right. give a, a carte blanche answer for, for every survivor because, um, every survivor has their own concerns about it, their own, level of assimilation in terms of, I hate to use the word accepting, but sort of like accepting that something has happened to them and moving forward in their lives. So it sort of depends on where you're at in that process. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that's most important is to think about what's your motivation for sharing 
the information with someone and how will you feel if they respond really well? How will they res- how will you feel if they don't respond well? Mm. And if you're not prepared for them to not respond well, it might not be the best time to take the risk in talking to them. What do you mean by like not respond well? Like react like it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. right? So for some people, not responding well might mean minimizing their experience or gaslighting or victim blaming or mm. doing something to be shaming or, or not understanding or not empathic. Mm. For some people, not responding well could mean asking a lot of questions and wanting to know more because they're trying to be kind and receptive, but it actually is starting to feel uncomfortable. Gotcha. Survivors don't always want to talk about the details. So it could mean different things to different people. So now this is a question for the person who is interacting with somebody who is a survivor. What is the best way for them to respond to that information? Yeah. So if somebody shares with you that they are a survivor, I think, you know, it's important to be really intentional and hold space for them. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I mean by that is it's okay to have some empathy and say, I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, How can I support you in this moment? Or Mm -hmm. how can I support you if and when we are sexual? You know, what do you need from me? And I think it's okay to ask questions like that. Um, it's really important to educate yourself on what the implications of sexual trauma are because it's fast. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually, on my YouTube channel, have about an hour and a half webinar that I did about the multiple dimensions of impact of sexual trauma and how people can cultivate hot sex after trauma. Oh, really? Yeah. What's the YouTube channel name, girl? (laughs) Modern Intimacy. Modern Intimacy on YouTube? Awesome. Okay. People can check it out. It's a free resource. That's a great thing, actually, to watch um, with a partner um, Mm. if you want to get some mutual understanding of what it means to uh, what are like the possibilities of impact and then how you specifically have been impacted or your partner has been impacted. When I asked that question, I was like asking myself that question at the same time because I actually got that DM from Mm -hmm. somebody a few months ago and I try to process it myself. Like, how would I handle that situation? Mm -hmm. First, I would say that I'm appreciative of knowing and understanding that there is something that I need to be aware of Mm -hmm. because that helps me. One, communication is always great. It helps you understand your partner better. It helps you navigate like what's going on. So you're not misinterpreting anything the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Right. So that information and sharing that is, you know, very appreciated. Yeah. Right. And in my head, it was just like, okay, that just means we're going to take it really slow. No big deal. Cool. Like, and I'm not going to make a big deal about it. And I want to kind of feel out what you're comfortable talking about mm-hmm. and kind of what pace you want to go at and yeah. kind of let you take the wheel, so to speak. Beautiful. Right. Right. Yeah. Because think about it. When somebody has experienced a trauma, one of the things that is the most profound is that their autonomy has been taken from them in Mm. that experience. So one of the biggest gifts you can give a survivor if you are, you know, in their life is to honor their autonomy in the process. Right. And what that means is that you don't want to assume that you know what they need. Right. Right. Because a lot of survivors are okay with having sex on the first stage. Um, some aren't, right? You want to just not make assumptions about what you think they need to be okay. You want right. to ask them, let them tell you and guide you in that. Right. Yeah. So I just want to add to that. It's like I, I brought this up a few times before in previous episodes. I want to reiterate it now is I've always said like the best kind of approach and 
personally for me is like to quote unquote let them lead the dance regardless of like this uh, what you know or don't know let them lead the dance and then you'll find out yeah you know what i mean meaning like if she steps one way you step one way if she steps this way you step that way you know if she takes a step back you take a step back if she takes mm-hmm. a step forward she, you take a step forward and you let her lead the dance and then you pay attention to the signal it's like when she's ready to be dipped meaning hey i'm ready for you to <laughs> take a little bit of control here cool yeah. okay we ready but also be prepared to allow her to you know step in and take control mm-hmm. put her hands on the wheel and start to drive is yeah. that a good like overall umbrella approach for you know i think it's a great approach i would maybe if i can offer just yes, sort please. of one little tiny Caveat. tiny thing to think about instead of saying i would let her Right, which implies that you're still in control. It's sort of like I'm going to meet Be her. Be okay with. I'm going to meet her. Right, we're both going to do this, and I'm going to mirror, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to observe, and acknowledge that neither one of us has the power. Right. Where I'm going to just be present with. So, what's the best way for me to rephrase that? <laughs> okay, I need to. I need to rephrase that. So, no more. Let her lead the dance. It's. Meet her dancing? <laughs> what? Yeah, like, like, how would I'll, I? I'll meet her where she's at. Meet her where she's at. Yeah. Mirror, mirror her. Uh, meet her, mirror her, communicate with her. Right. Right? Because I think it's also important that we check in with each other because feedback is key, but nonverbal communication can mean a lot of different things. Right. Right? So if she takes a step back, maybe it's because she's nervous mm. but wants to be with you. Maybe it's because she isn't ready yet. Mm. Maybe it's because she has indigestion. We don't know, <laughs> right. right? Like it's important to be communicative and right. to be attentive. That's one thing I have to bring up now is like, there is a bit of confusion sometimes because this has happened to me so many times okay. where like, I'm completely okay with whatever way this goes, but then I hear one thing and then the true intention is different mm. because they want me to be the one initiating. Mm. And I'm not like, personally, I'm not like, no, I'm not playing that game. I don't want to be, I don't want that. That puts me in an uncomfortable position mm. only because it's like, it isn't explicitly stated yeah. that this is what you want. Like, right. okay, if I get it, I get it. But if it's not talked about, then, you know, I'm not. So what, what's the deal with that? Well, I think the deal is that we don't normalize talking about sex, boundaries, and expectations, and hopes mm-hmm. like we do talking about what we're going to order off of a menu. Right. <laughs> so when you meet someone for the first time, you don't know what they want. You probably don't even know what you want in relation with them yet. So I think if we, we, we project a lot of expectations onto each other mm. based on ideas that we have about how we should show up. And there's that performative piece again, right? And we attach so much worth to whether or not we're desired or whether or not we get a yes or whether or not this happens or whether or not that happens. So I think, you know, anyone listening, one of the biggest takeaways here is to remember that everyone's coming from their own unique perspective about what they hope for, what they fear, um, and what each behavior means to them. So Mm. we have to really practice being Mm non-assumptive and instead check in with each other. Right. So what would that like, okay, let's say, because this this happened a few times. (laughs) Like, it's just like, okay, what's the best way for somebody who 
does want that result. Like, I want you to initiate without telling them I, I want you to initiate. You know what I mean? Such a good question. And, and it's tough because I think if there weren't so much shame around women owning their own sexuality, this would not be an issue. Because right. I think women, that's a big, like, root of it. Totally, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that if, if women were not shamed for wanting to be sexual, then they wouldn't be conditioned to feel like, somebody else has to bring them into it. Mm. So the question is, do they actually want to be sexual or do they want to be desired? And I, I don't know, right? Right. So I think if you want to be sexual, it's okay to be like, hey, I'm cool with something. Are you? Right. And I think one thing that the partner can do in that situation is mm. also imply that, hey, there's no judgment here. Whatever it is yeah. that you desire or are in the mood for, or whatever way you see this going, I'm not judging you. Mm-hmm. Like establishing that kind of as early on as possible. That way, none of that kind of misinterpretation or miscommunication occurs later on, yeah. you know, yeah. when that time comes. Yeah. Would that be kind of a good piece of, like, or a good kind of a mentality? Yeah, totally. Totally. I think that's great to let a partner know that you won't judge them whether they want to have sex or not. Yeah. And know that you're one piece of the puzzle, right? Because they also have their own internal moral compass and the voices of their family and their friends and Mm. how they perceive society at large. So it's bigger than just the person we're on a date with. And I think that's a piece that sometimes we forget about. Yeah. Right. Didn't but. even occur to me until you just said it. I'm like, damn, that makes sense. Shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just like, there's so many different factors. That's why it, I think I understand why it could be so, you know, like. <sighs> what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? So I think if you get that text or that call that sa- that sounds like, hey, why didn't you make a move? Right. Are you not into me like that? Like, yeah. I, it's not that. It's just, you know. I think that's a great opportunity for you to say things like, I, I'm really attracted to you. And one of the things that's really important to me is that we are verbal about what we want and that we're both on the same page. Mm -hmm. So let's hang out again and see what happens. Right. I I think you can talk about, I want consent. I want to know that you want it. And, and if that's something that you're down for, like make it, make it known, make it known and we can talk about it. And sometimes it can be helpful to like define what your no is right. together, right? Like here's the boundary. I'm cool with just about anything if we're feeling it up to this point, right? And talk about that beforehand. But right. if you don't want to do that, it's okay to bring it up on the date and kind of talk about like, hey, I'm kind of kind of in the mood for fill in the blank. And if this is like somebody that you're kind of new with, mm-hmm. I feel like that wouldn't really be too appropriate for like a guy to say to a girl. Right. It would have to be her, but like the guy implying, Hey, I got no judgment here. And then if she says that, it's like, okay, cool. Like we we're on the same page. Look, I might be a little, um, <laughs> a little bit more, uh, what's the word I want to use. I am not the norm when it comes to these conversations, right. probably because of my, the work that I do, but I think it's okay for, for men to say things like no pressure and, you know, if, and I think I'm kind of feeling a vibe here. So if, if you're open to it, I'm, I'm open to having that conversation. You know, I'm okay with that. Right. But no pressure. Right. And actually that. meaning that like the genuine, like authenticity behind that statement can be felt. Yeah. And I feel like that is really important to keep in mind because then it truly does allow the other person to feel comfort and judgment free to really 
you know divulge whatever true desires they have yeah you know what i mean yeah and one thing that i was going to just mention just for like as a like a fun fact for the ladies us guys we love feeling that sense of desire too so it's like when it's when it is reciprocated that's partially why i don't like like i want to feel the sense of desire too it's like oh you want me as much as that's that's putting me in the mood girl like you know what i mean us guys we, we cool with that too so you know if you in the mood and we we're on the same page like there's no i we did a whole episode about like yeah. ways to initiate it's like like ladies don't underestimate the power of initiating. Totally. You know totally. what I mean? It can be a total game changer in the dynamic of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Just having your partner feel that sense of desire where they haven't before. And maybe that, because here's another thing I've seen in the, the DMs is like the partner not being a little selfish, mm-hmm. so, so to speak, in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And one thing I was like thinking about, guys always having to feel like they have to you know quote unquote beg for sex or earn sex or whatever that, that mm-hmm. that's their thing and women complaining about you only care about yourself in the bedroom mm-hmm. right i know i already kind of know what your answer to this <laughs> is gonna be <laughs> communicate motherfuckers no <laughs> right so like what is that a common thing first off that you see amongst clients I heard you say a lot of things, so I won't. Okay, sorry. <laughs> My mind is like going in a million places. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just want to make sure I heard you right. So w- the common thing is it that men want to be sexual and women are not feeling it or because their partner is more selfish in bed and not really. Right. That's a factor in it. And I feel like one part of why we did the initiating sex episode uh-huh. was like to spark a little more selflessness in the guy when yeah. he feels that the desire is being reciprocated mm-hmm. and now it makes him want to reciprocate as well. That was just like kind of one thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean? I think that's a really valid point, right? When we feel more desired and like our partner is leaning into the situation, right. then we feel less scarcity for our own pleasure. So we're willing to be more generous right. with pleasure. That makes a lot of sense. But I think it also is really important to look at that the other way around, too. Mm-hmm. If if people feel like they are being pined over for sex that is not mutual, yeah, they're a lot less likely to make it a priority. So, you know, we're, we're sort of like stuck in this impasse, right? And I think if you want to be sexual, it's really important to think about how do I talk with my partner about what their sexual needs are mm-hmm. to make sure that we're creating space for us to both get those needs met? Mm-hmm. And, and how do I emphasize with my partner that I'm prioritizing their needs equal to mine? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really important. But for people who are in longer term relationships, it's also about making sure that the non-sexual parts of your relationship are tidy, right? right? Because if there's a lot of resentment or a lot of frustration or unequal, domestic labor or emotional labor that that factors into the mood totally yeah yeah so i think a a lot of people are just learning about those kinds of um dynamics in relationships which is great Mm -hmm. um because they've been playing a role in arousal and desire for centuries i mean it makes total sense yeah you know it even applies to guys like a way for them to look at it 
is, hey, if you're stressed with like work, I actually just got that comment DM the other day. My man is never in the mood because he's uh, too stressed to overwork. What do I do about that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And one thing that I said to her is like, well, do you understand like some of his quote unquote sexual triggers and what puts him in the mood, you know, because men can be like women in a way where it's not just an on and off switch. Hey, like we can't just turn this, you know, but if you understand his quote unquote sexual triggers, I got that from Shambuti, (laughs) then it's like, okay, you can start to see, okay, how can I relax you, get you out of that current mental space that you're in and get you into a more similar mental space that is in line with what where I'm at Mm -hmm. so that we're both you know this is not forced right yeah yeah not forced but but also I think it's really important to remember we have to have the bandwidth for sex right right so I think it's so key to we're not battery operated ladies (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah right so like how do you regulate with each other how do you recognize when one or both of you is super stressed and prioritize, uh, you know, however you need to de-stress so that you have the space mentally, physically, and sexually yeah. and logistically to yes. have sex? You know, it's really hard to think about creating space for like this epic sex marathon if you've got deadlines and the kids have been pawing all over you all day or your boss is yelling at you and needs you to be to work early. I mean, it's hard sometimes to just turn your brain off right and go over here but for some people those kinds of stressors actually act as an accelerant for sex so it might make them more interested in being sexual because everyone's different that way interesting yeah i think the first step is just being aware of needing to be conscious of it right Mm -hmm. it's like i should kind of make mental space for this Mm -hmm. because it's going to come into play later and um just being just conscious of that before you know she hits you up like hey honey you you down (laughs) you know what i mean and this is another another reason why toys are your friend because if you ain't in the mood that motherfucker is battery operated that thing is in the mood you got a wingman (laughs) see fellas it's a win-win it is a (laughs) win-win and there are lots of sex toys for people with penises by the way Mm -hmm. oh (laughs) <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what? Uh, yeah. the, so, okay, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I know. Toys are, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, fellas, uh, there are. There are lots of sex toys for people with penises. It's great. And and I think, you know, when you say yes to toys in the bedroom, oh my you God, get to yeah. benefit from that, too. I mean, there's prostate stimulators. There are cock rings. There's strokers. Personal. Personal. Yeah. It was part of our uh, part of our <laughs> occupation for a long time, actually. Part of the gig. <laughs> I, sure, yeah. I mean, it really was. I'm okay, sure it so, was. And actually, when I first like started implementing that into my sex life, I was like, "Holy shit, this is a game changer!" I felt like, "Yo, I was empowered." Like, holy. Yeah. And I've never had my partner like react the way that she did, and I I was just like, "This is awesome." It's really awesome, right? right? So, fellas, man. Yeah, sex toys are our Get friends. hip to the game, man. <laughs> we evolving out here. Yeah. And did any of your sex partners feel like they weren't enough when you used what do you to mean by that? Like, did, it, no, did not they at feel all. like they that like, was threatening to them? No, not at all. We we kind of made it like a, a little adventure of ours. Let's go to a sex shop. Nice. Let's go, you know, splurge, grab some mm-hmm. things, whatever, and let's just have fun. And, you know, something that she, like, mm-hmm. grabbed. And I was like, whatever, you know, cool. <laughs> I didn't really think much of it. And then after I saw the results, I was like, this is... 
awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I'm never like leaving home without this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, they can so, be great. If anything, she like loved it. Yeah. You know? Good. So it was great. Like, fellas, come on, man. Yeah. Get hip to the game. <laughs> they just don't understand. They'll learn. But no, this is this has been an amazing conversation. I, I knew before we even like sat down. I was just thinking to myself, how are we going to fit all the concerns and all these pressing <laughs> concerns into one episode? So I was just like, I, I know from this, it's going to just breed even more questions mm-hmm. now that we're kind of opening up this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I might be hitting you up again and be like, hey, we need to do a part two. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> if you we're cool right with down that. the street from each other. Yeah. So I, that was so cool to like discover. <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. So, so ladies and gentlemen. That's what we got for y'all this episode. Where can people find you online? Yeah, thanks. Um, so on TikTok and Instagram, I'm at Dr. Kate Balistrary, and my website is modernintimacy.com. I really, really encourage you to check it out. We've got yeah. probably like 150 blogs, free downloads, lots of things that you can check out to help your sex life and your relationships, mental health, all the stuff. So They're thanks, giving again. out free game over there. <laughs> They're giving out free game modernintimacy.com ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i did want to actually I, I did have just one last question okay how did you find us because i noticed you were following us that's yeah. how i found you was you were following us TikTok. on tiktok yeah i saw you on tiktok and you were just on my for you page yeah what made you want to follow us so I saw an interview. I'd seen a couple of your videos kind of come through my feed and I liked them. I thought you were really entertaining and you asked good questions. And then I saw you interview one of the um, people on TikTok who poor guy just got absolutely slammed after posting a video. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And oh, that's the video that you yeah. discovered us off of. Well, no, I'd seen a few of your videos before, but when I saw you interviewing that person, I thought you did a really nice job of calling him in, Mm. right? And I thought, that's great. And I appreciated the fact that you were thoughtful with him, but also accountable, like holding him accountable and creating a space to have a different conversation. So I, I just really appreciated that. I appreciate hearing that too. Every time I notice like somebody who's following us who's an actual profession, mm-hmm. no, in like some sort of field, I mean, we get followed by like life coaches and yeah. therapists and psychologists, and every time it just like this is very flattering to me. I'll be <laughs> honest, like this is very like I take it as like yeah. a huge compliment. Yeah. So, but that it, it just kind of like makes me giggle thinking that that's the person that was like, okay, now I'm. <laughs> I'm following, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. that was like so like spur of the moment. I looked at it as a, hey, this is a good kind of a learning opportunity for a lot of people. For a lot of know. people. And, and like, yeah, that's what I really appreciated about that interview. I, and, and I love that it, it was a man interviewing another man, right? And mm-hmm. it's very clear that you have very different perspectives on right. dating. And so I, I appreciated that it was a, another man sort of calling him in and not joining the crowd of bashing him but right. just like dude we have to have a talk let's have a bit uh, a bro to bro talk you know yeah and, and i feel like i would love to see more of that and i actually am seeing a little bit more of that yeah and i feel like um because it's like something in the like kind of man culture is like mm-hmm. kind of like bro code type deal which you know we're supposed to have each other's back it's like dude if somebody's being a, a fucking dickhead 
it's all good to call them out. You know what I mean? It's important to call them and out. And it is important. It really is. And don't let your ego or what other the fellas think of you taking your stance, like, affect you saying what you want to say. You know what I mean? I respect the hell out of all the dudes that I've seen doing this as Me well, too. like, kind of following suit. And that that's, like... It's important, like you said. It's very important, and I feel like it's important in kind of all areas of like the quote-unquote culture, even around totally, sex and totally. uh, relationships and dating. There's too much of a divide, and it's so like silly to me. It's like, yes. ladies and gentlemen, can we just quit the bullshit and address what we all cry yeah. clear tears? Yeah, right? exactly. So it's really, really important that we hold each other accountable, but in ways that honor each other's growth and mistakes and humanity. And, and I thought you just did a really nice job. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, thank you again for having me on. This was great. Thank you <laughs> for being here, educating us, myself included. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please do a, a, a silent round of applause for you, for our lovely guest this evening. Thank you so much for accompanying us on the podcast. It's a huge honor. And this is definitely an area I, I feel like was really important to touch on. I feel like it could help a lot of people listening. And, you know, we'd love to hear your feedback about everything that we discuss. If there's any other questions that y'all have, if there's anything that you wanted kind of an elaboration or clarification on leave that in the comment section over on youtube you know if you're listening to this on spotify or apple you know i hope at this point you could honor us with a follow or a subscription of some sorts give us a positive review and make sure to follow dr kate over on her social medias if you want to learn more modernintimacy.com go check that out y'all and the youtube channel shit <laughs> free game i'm trying to tell y'all but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all so much for being here. Thank y'all so much for lending us your ears and your eyes. And we will see y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>